what is a vision that you can rally people to? And you have to be able to rally people across those five generations. And each one has something that is more inherently valuable to them. And that's their calling. Some will be motivated by money, but more and more, especially with the Generation Z, the millennials, it's not necessarily motivation by the dollar. They want to see organizations that do good in the world. There are opportunities for our work and careers everywhere, if you know where to look. That's easier said than done, especially in our fast-paced and constantly changing world. Marianne Fairmouth is talking to experts, employers, and job seekers to bring you insight and understanding about what's possible. This is Career Can Do, where we're navigating the new work world. Welcome to the Career Can Do podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate the new work world. My name is Marianne Fairmouth. I'm an executive recruiter, nationally syndicated columnist, author, of a multi-genre books and corporate trainer. And today I am just delighted to have a guest on my show that I met many, many years ago at a professional organization. And I've never forgotten him. He was very impressive, but he's doing some wonderful things right now. And I wanted to have him on the show because this subject is all about leadership. And as an executive recruiter for almost 35 years, I'm seeing there's a real demand in that area in the sweet suite, as well as with our corporation. And Eddie is changing the face of leadership. He's a principal consultant and executive coach at Linkage, Inc., an international leadership development firm. He's also a certified speaking professional and ranked number six on the top 30 list of motivational speakers by Global Heroes. Forbes recognized Eddie as a preeminent authority on emerging leaders. He's ranked number 18 in the top 25 thought leader in leadership by Thinkers360. The list goes on and on. He's done work with people like CNN, Fox News, PBS, ABC. And I was just delighted that he took the time today to be on Career Can Do. So after that incredibly long introduction, be family, everybody. Marianne, thank you for having me on the Career Can Do podcast. What a pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Eddie. And I've always been so happy to be around you and learn from you and see all the cool, neat things you're doing and how you continue to expand. But as a recruiter for many, many years, I'm seeing right now, we have a major talent shortage, Eddie, and people are in dire need of strong leaders. And what you do is helping our corporations helping our C-suite executives in that area. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this and what all you do. Sure. You're absolutely right, Marianne. With all of your experience in recruiting, you hit the nail on the head. Leadership. We are hungering for leadership in organizations. People are either voting with their feet to stay or leave based on the type of leader that they're working for. And that's one of the the crisis that we are facing, to your point, that it's hard to get enough employees that are talented to the level that you want to to execute. But then when you have those employees in the door, how do you keep them? And so effective leadership or the work that I'm doing at LinkageInc.com these days is purposeful leadership. Well, I think that word purposeful 
is a word that is so front and center right now, all right? More and more, our employees post-COVID want purposeful employment. Our employers want employees that are going to come in and fulfill an important purpose. But what I'm seeing, Eddie, is that in some ways we have a disconnect, all right? The way we did business pre-COVID and the way we do business post-COVID is different. The common denominator of all that to make it run smoothly is leadership, to have the right leadership. For example, if we have a company and they're really struggling to get the right leaders in there and they're beside themselves because a lot of their leaders have left and they bring you someone like you in to help them, what do you do? How do you help these people? Because I'm seeing my companies calling me right now, presidents of companies, executive vice presidents calling me and saying, Marianne, we're just really having a hard time, you know, keeping good people. So are you able to go into these companies, Eddie, and help them with that? Absolutely. I go inside of organizations and I work with the senior most leaders, literally starting in the C-suite, cascading down throughout the organization. I enjoy working both at the top and the bottom, identifying those emerging leaders who we need to eventually get into the C-suite and also those who are already there to be effective. To your point, post-COVID, the demands of leadership and what we even label leadership have shifted. For example, prior to the pandemic, we had a certain way of leading and a certain way of what we view as working at work. Post-pandemic, people realized something matters to me other than work in some cases. So the idea of, I really don't want to spend all my hours commuting in a vehicle to get to work and being at work all day, every day. That's caused a little bit of tension in the workplace now, as we try to get people to work from work, as one CEO said, versus work from home. So am I effective as a leader if I can manage only those who I see in front of me? Or does a post-pandemic world demand that I'm able to lead effectively, be purposeful with those in the office and those who need to work remote? For those that don't want to sacrifice their career, but want to stay in the workforce, but have a little bit more flexibility to work from home, be it 100% of the time or a hybrid work arrangement. So both the way we will work and then how that work is managed, how that work is led changes both the dynamic between the employee and the leader and those that are leading. I think you exactly nailed it. Now, what I'm saying, Eddie, and I think you'll agree with me, is there's a huge mind shift change, all right? The way we thought about, as you said, pre-COVID about work and the way we see it now post-COVID is different. And in my opinion, what's really a key ingredient here is the human element. The different generational sectors have different needs. Now, I will say, you know, I'm proud to say I'm a baby boomer, all right? I have two very, very accomplished sons, and they're a millennial. But we do things a little differently, but we still get it done. Coming to that understanding and having a mind shift of learning and understanding what's important to different sectors as opposed to maybe what was important to me when I was that age, it's an understanding variable that needs to be considered. And I think to have long leaders, we all need to be in alignment with that and be open to new ideas. Don't you think, Eddie, there's post-COVID, there's a different way of doing business now, and people need to understand that. Do you agree? Absolutely. And to your point, uh, for the first time ever, 
Harvard Business Review helps us to understand that there are five generations of employees in the workforce. That's never been the case before. And as a result, the expectations are different. What it meant to be an effective employee in one point in time is very different today. And what one may view as somebody who's not really producing to the way they should is very different. So when working with leaders, I help them to identify very clear metrics for how they're going to engage and have employees held to, but also very clear ways of how they're going to engage the employees working for them. A vision. We help them to really identify what is a vision that you can rally people to. And you have to be able to rally people across those five generations. And each one has something that is more inherently valuable to them. And that's their calling. Some will be motivated by money, but more and more, especially with the Generation Z, the millennials, it's not necessarily motivation by the dollar. They want to see organizations that do good in the world. And so they put a little bit more pressure on to be more involved in the community, to allow for a flexible for the employees even to go out and have that face and be a vivid presence there. And so the scales have widened. And there's a lot more latitude that needs to be considered. Well, I think you're exactly right. It's funny you said that. To your point, I had a conversation with an executive director of a professional organization that I'm a member of. And this professional organization had conferences two or three times a year. And this organization lets the employees of certain companies that are members bring their spouses to these events. And they have all kinds of events for the spouses. So the husband and wife can go to these events. And it's meeting other people. And like you said, it's more about the human element. It's more about community. It's more about what can we do together to help somebody else, to work together in groups. So what you're doing is so, so important right now. And as a recruiter, I'm seeing, Eddie, if more people and more employers and more C-suite people had someone like you to work with them, to educate them on these differences. I think we'd have happier employees. We'd have companies that don't have as much retention. We'd have just a, a better a better environment in the workplace. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, you studizational behavior at Northwestern University. I think that universities, too, are helping employees and people, employers that are going back to school understand the different mindsets. Don't you think so? Indeed. And that very example you provided is a nice lens into where organizations are headed. This idea of bringing your spouse to work and having that shared experience is one of inclusion. Everyone needs to be included. Everyone should have a seat at the table. And the more organizations that are more inclusive statistically outperform less inclusive organizations. And so very often when working with senior leaders, that's one of the key metrics I highlight. I hear executives say, oh, I need to do a better job working on this area, working on that area so that we can execute and meet our goals next year. Well, sometimes it's not about their R&D. It's not about the sales. Literally, by becoming more inclusive as an organization, you will become more profitable than your competitors. Well, I think you really hit the nail on the head again on that one. And I think, what do they say? A happy employee is a more productive employee. And I think when you feel like your company is really going the extra mile to have this inclusion concept in the workplace. I think it's going to draw more candidates to the company. 
I think it's going to keep them there in higher retention levels. And I think that this concept of inclusion is really, really important. Not only with companies, you know, that have been around for a long, long time that they really don't have that part integrated yet. How do we get them to bend? How do we, do we show them? I mean, do we have studies? Like you said, Harvard has done Harvard studies, but how do we get people that really are not used to this inclusion concept? How do we get them open to it, Eddie? That's part of the great works that I'm doing here at Linkage. Linkage was just purchased by SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM.org. That's precisely what we do. We bring people our thought leadership in research that we've done independently, in addition to pointing to the great work done at institutions like Harvard and, and, and many others, about the data. Because while I think a more inclusive society is just a good idea from a human being standpoint, human relations, many people say, well, I don't really agree with that. But they do agree with the dollars and cents. They do agree with the data. So let's do it for the profitable reason, even if we're not going to do it for maybe the human reason. And so when we share our thought leadership on the fact that it is the most profitable way of doing business, that opens up the eyes of those that may not be interested. But I'll tell you something else. The Harvard has undertaken the greatest study on happiness that there is. It's an 80-year study that's been going on. It still continues. And one of the things that we find is that people are happier when they're not isolated, when they are included, when they are a part of something bigger than themselves. So that's one of the reasons that if you want happy employees, having an inclusive work environment is one of the keys. But the other reason it becomes important is because increasingly consumers are penalizing organizations that don't represent who they are. They choose to buy from the other organization. And so that's why we say for a variety of reasons, it's just the best way of doing business. You get out of groupthink, you get out of myopia, and when you can see a broader spectrum, you make better decisions. Well, I feel your excitement, and I think that's just wonderful, and I've always highly respected you for that. Now, I know also you are an author. I wrote a book with a very long title, but essentially it's for emerging leaders. <laughs> 140 Simple Messages to Guide Emerging Leaders is the official title, and I wrote it five years ago, and it was literally written to capture the zeitgeist of the time, which was Twitter. How can I say something short and succinct that is still effective and hits home? And so very often in a coaching engagement, here are the things I say. In a keynote speech to an organization, when I'm on stage, here are some statements I make. And so I quoted, uh, as I quote these people, I share them in the book. And so the book captures that. But at the end of the book, one of the things I shared, and in hindsight, it should have been the front of the book, I created nine categories of what it means to be an emerging leader. And I thought it was important to identify that because what I was seeing is too often in an organization, emerging leader was a synonym for inexperience. And so people would think, oh, this person doesn't have enough experience. They're just an up and comer. And it's almost like dismissed. But in other cases, it was like, oh, this is our hypo, our high potential person. Let's put all our money in that individual. But they're still not ready yet. So I went through nine different categories. But the final category was this. I said, I believe everyone is or should be emerging as a leader, coming into a view in a different way than what you were before. That means even when you've got the corner office as the chief executive officer, you still need to emerge as a leader. Why? Because your competition is not resting. Neither should you. The average tenure of a CEO is 18 to 36 months. So you don't have much time to prove yourself 
And if you're going to prove yourself, you've got to emerge all over again. You can't rest on your laurels. Here's the other reason. The pandemic introduced another reason, and that is you have to emerge as a leader during times of crisis. It's a completely different skill set than what you're using every day in managing your organization. Nothing proved that more than the pandemic. Well, you have so much important information to share. Now, we don't have work over here and life over here. It's all kind of intertwined, right? And as the point you just made about we have to rise up to be leaders in all different kinds of situations. And the more we continue to from those great leaders, the more we can contribute to the world. So I think your message is a very powerful one. We're coming near the end here. And two important messages to give. Number one, are corporations that are having problems. And also to people who don't feel like they're being strong enough leaders. What would those two separate messages be? My message is very simple. I had a podcast for a couple of years and the title was Keep Leading. And I go back to what I kind of just said there in a, in a way in that leadership is a continuous action. So it's not, hey, I've arrived. You must continuously keep leading. So if you are in a power position in your field as an organization, in my OGE days, that meant you were number one or number two in your category. If you were, then Jack Welch and Ty would sell you off. <laughs> you got to be number one, number two in your domain. And then I like it. I took that mentality and applied it to myself as an individual employee. I always want to be number one, number two on the roster. So if I'm not there, what can I do to get there? And once I am there, how do I keep leading? Well, I think that's wonderful advice. I really do. And if our listeners out there want to investigate all the different things that you do and your work with Linkage, Eddie, you know, website or how do they get a hold of it? I have all the your information on my website. And if they want to go to you directly, how do they do that? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. I'm Eddie Turner. E-D-D-I-E is how I spell my Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Turner. If you type that into Google or to any of the social media engines, my name will come up. Follow me on Twitter. Connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. I work for SHRM, S-H-R-M, SHRM.org. And so you can find out more about what we do to power up organizations, changing the face of leadership and making a better world by how we run these organizations. You can find out about me there, book me or any of my colleagues to speak for your organization, come in and facilitate workshops or do executive coaching for your senior leaders. Well, I am just thrilled to know he is uh, one individual that I think is really making a difference in the workplace, but not only in the workplace, in the world. If you want to grow and succeed and be the best you can be, check in to Eddie and what he does, Eddie Turner, because I don't think that you'll be sorry. And I'm just thrilled that you took the time today to be on Career Can Do, and we'll keep in touch. So we're near the end. And one more time, just tell us again, it's Eddie Turner. You can Google him and certainly investigate all the wonderful things that he does. Thank you so much, Eddie. I'm so happy to know you and have you as a peer. And I wish you every success because I know that you're out there in the world really helping people. And you're the kind of person, if we had more people like Eddie Turner in this world, we'd have a better world. Thank you so much. And we'll keep in touch. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. We thank you for tuning in to our Career Can Do podcast. We make no guarantees on results for your particular quest, but we hope you enjoy the information presented. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely that of the guest or speaker 
and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Varian Fairmouth and Fairmouth and Company. Thank you.